Welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, we are honored to hear from Minnesota Church Multiplication Director, Church Planting Pastor, Husband and Dad, Pastor Doug Bogley, as he has a conversation with our podcast host, McKelty Bloom. In this episode, you will hear Pastor Doug share about his heart for church planting, how he ministers to the range of new believers to seasoned believers simultaneously, as well as his encouragement for how to think about church ministry in relation to new believers. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, Pastor Doug, welcome to the podcast. I am honored and excited to have you here joining me. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Well, I am really just excited. I was explaining to you a little bit before we pressed record that I feel like I know of you. I know of your wife well, and I was really looking forward today to be able to sit down and be like, but what do you actually do here at the <laughs> district office? And That's what is <laughs> And, you know, what is it like as a, as a pastor of the Waters Church and, and everything? So I'm looking forward to this. But before we even jump in, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself um, a little bit about what you do here and just the church life and family, all that good stuff. Oh, it'd be great. You know, it all blends together. Mm-hmm. I am married to my wife, Peggy, and um, we have three incredible kids. So we, our oldest daughter is Abby, and uh, our middle son is Nathaniel, and he just got married last mm-hmm. April. So now we became in-laws, which is kind of fun, <laughs> and him and his wife, Alicia, are just an amazing couple and then our youngest Sophia just graduated from um, from high school in May so this is actually the first back to school September that we have no one in our family going um. back to like high school or anything no back to school shopping uh, so it's it's kind of a really um, you look like that's a sad thing. That's a really exciting thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is that bittersweet? How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, not to have to go shopping and get notebooks and get your whole list from school. Um, it's it's pretty fantastic. But um, yeah, so we're really proud of our kids. And then um, in our world, uh, we are getting ready to, to celebrate our 15-year birthday from um, planting or launching our church, uh, the Waters Church in Sartell. So that is uh, outside of our kids is probably the greatest joy for Peg and I getting mm-hmm. to just pastor and lead and and be a part of that church that that uh, we started, and for I I believe it is uh, five years now. It was five years in June that I have been also a part of the district church health team mm-hmm. and overseeing the the church multiplication part of that, mm-hmm. which is um, and which is which is just a joy. My my love for church planting. Um, it, you don't. It puts a quarter in me every time, and I will start talking about planting churches, starting mm-hmm. new churches. Mm-hmm. And so not only from our experience of being that for 15 years, uh, a plant ourselves, uh, when, when, when Pastor Mark Dean asked me if I would lead the department, um, Roger Stacy before me was full-time in that position for, for decades. And so they wanted me to be full time, and I, I honestly didn't feel a release from my church, and just felt, um, you know, like dreaming about. Hey, um, I think the best role for me personally, if this was to fit, would be to stay mm-hmm. in the game and keep planting churches, mm. keep parenting churches. And I asked Mark if I could put together a, a team, mm-hmm. uh, a lead team. And I love that that he's a visionary, he's a team person, he's a team builder, and um, so. He was very interested, and obviously it, it, it was something that ended up coming to fruition and happening. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have um, some really amazing people that work with me on my lead team. And so I have someone 
uh, a church planter that has planted himself uh, up in Cloquet, Mike Stevens, mm. that has the entire north side of the state mm. uh, down south. I uh, actually have Jeff Kerr from Farmington. Mm. He's a mm-hmm. planter down there on uh, the whole south side of the state. Uh, I have Jarvis Glanzer, who is who planted in Stillwater, mm. who has the suburban areas. And then uh, I also get to work with Scott Wooler, who planted Corner Church uh, in our urban areas in the, in the mm. metro. And then I also have... I get to work with Ernest Jaraja, who planted a church in Bloomington, an international church, and mm. he works with all of our ethnic churches. Mm-hmm. So I get the joy of, of working with a bunch of church plant leaders that have planted churches themselves, and we're all coaching and leading and trying to work this whole thing together. Mm-hmm. So I'm just the leader of a team, and um, it's, a, it's a joy. So that's kind of my role in this whole thing, is getting to kind of spearhead it and lead that team. and. It's just been a joy, and it's honestly helped me tremendously in in my church and in my pastoring. Um, mm-hmm. And and really, just I, I felt like when I was a youth pastor, the way to stay young in in my spirit was to be around young people. <laughs> and now I feel like I don't ever want to lose the joy of church planning. And mm. so as we hit 15 years, one of the ways that I stay uh, fresh inside is by hanging around with church planners. Yeah, and. Um, so that is something that just speaks a lot of life. Yeah, I, I love that you have such a great team because with church planting, you know, I was a part of on staff at a church plant for a couple of years and truly saw all the work that goes into it. It is so much work and more work than some church attendees probably know goes into it. Yeah. And there's so much physical support needed, but a lot of emotional support when those numbers aren't looking like you want them to. And, you know, you just get exhausted, maybe defeated. So, so to have more people, not saying that you couldn't do it, but Minnesota's a big state for one person to cover all these plants. But to have all of these people that can really be dedicated and pouring into them, I'm sure just makes a huge difference and relief for you too, to be able to support that. And I I always feel, um, I always say, everybody needs somebody Mm because not everybody needs everybody, Mm -hmm. but everybody just needs somebody. And to call on a bad day, to call on a Monday, I was at a conference, a church planning conference, a number of years ago, and something that never left my mind was the speaker said, uh, milk truck Mondays. It's when your Sunday went so bad that on Monday, all you want to do is just get a milk truck route and just (laughs) drive around and not see people. And so I always joke with even planters of there's milk truck Mondays. Mm -hmm. And there is in every job, every profession, every service, every, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone pastoring. But... Uh, to have somebody that you can call on a milk truck Monday that will just speak life into you, encourage yeah. you, is is a truly a joy. And so it's fun to have a team that can do that. And we try to make sure that every one of our Minnesota planters is directly connected and coached by one of our team mm-hmm. uh, or someone else that we put in that place to kind of coach them. So to me, um, finances come and go, and but relationship is is really the the currency of yeah. of planting a church. And mm-hmm. to have that person you can call, to have that person you can be in relationship with sometimes is, uh, again, uh, uh, a bigger component than the finances. Although in anything, that's a part of it. Yeah. The relationship <laughs> piece is is a currency that flows through, through ministry mm-hmm. and so important. Yeah, that's so good. Well, what got you interested in church planting? You know, what is your passion for that? Yeah. I did not know that I would be interested in church planting. <laughs> um, 16 years ago, if you would have asked me, uh, I would have said, you know, the last thing that I would ever do is 
is start a church. I, I can actually remember, I was a youth pastor with Peg for about 10 years, and uh, when we'd be at camps or retreats and we'd be talking with a number of my friends from, um, from college, and uh, I tell this story at our newcomers dinner every single month at our home. And I was like, when I'd sit around with uh, a number of my youth pastor friends, which is funny, at the time, um, the, the specific ones were uh, Corey Getz, who mm. is Angie's husband <laughs> and uh, the first lady of Thrive, and, uh, <laughs> the first gentleman of Thrive. And, uh, I love that. <laughs> and then Kirby St. John. And we were, we were all just good friends since college. And we'd sit around and we'd be like, what do you think you'll be doing in five years? Mm. And uh, I think a bunch of them were like, well, I think I'd plant a church. And, mm. uh, and I remember saying, you are crazy. Mm-hmm. Why would why would you plant a church? Mm-hmm. And I realized through the, the the course of it that it was all just a fear of the unknown, and it was a fear of leaving security. Yeah. Um, and so when God called us to plant a church, it was like a clear calling that happened. Uh, my wife and I were on a vacation, and um, we were we were just away. And change of place and change of pace gives you a change of perspective. Mm. We were dreaming about well, what's next for us, and uh, and I can remember that all of a sudden we asked the question, well, what if we planted a church? Mm-hmm. And it's like that opened up a part of our hearts that we had never allowed to be open, mm-hmm. and it's it was so significant for both of us that either Peg or I could tell the story, and I could take you to the exact place in my mind mm-hmm. where we were sitting, where we were at on vacation, mm-hmm. and uh, when we asked that question, and that question opening up our hearts changed the whole trajectory of our next 16 years. Mm-hmm. It was at that point. And so it was uh, It was right before Thanksgiving of 2006 that, wow. uh, that we asked that question. Mm-hmm. And when we opened up that part of our hearts to dream, it's like we were just flooded with dreams. And we realized that the reason I hadn't gone there is we were just, I was scared. I was scared of the unknown. I was scared of uh, what would it be like to not be in an established church? Mm-hmm. What would it be like to not have a building? What would it, you know, I, that's all I had ever known. Yeah. And God just absolutely took us out. What I believe is that diving board of faith, like when you go out to the end and you are in that miracle zone. And we never saw more miracles in our lives personally when, than when we stepped out in that miracle mm-hmm. zone. Mm-hmm. And so we went from kind of playing it safe to just being like, let's go to the end of the dock, let's hold hands and let's just dive in. And yeah. And uh, I, I get really emotional, as I, I already said, that this Sunday, which mm-hmm. is just in, it's Wednesday, so yeah, just <laughs> it's in a coming. few days, we have our 15-year birthday of the, the grand opening of our church. So kind of blown away at God's faithfulness, and it was the best jump and leap that we've ever had. So mm-hmm. it doesn't take me much to start dreaming with pastors about planting a church mm-hmm. or starting a new one and the impact that that can make in a community. And so it's it truly is like... I talk about my kids, I talk about my church, and I talk about church plans. And, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just all super exciting. Yeah. Well, because you have that relational piece with them where you get it. You've been in their shoes of having that it's a fear of failure, a lot of it, I'm yeah. sure, of yeah. what if this doesn't work out? Is this going to be embarrassing? Or, you know, just the doubt. But you can sit with them in that, and that makes a huge difference. But I'm I'm really curious, in when I was thinking of questions to send you on, with church plants, you know, how many of them, like percentage ratio-wise, are new believers coming in versus what I kind of quote seasoned Christians right. who are kind of regular churchgoers. Right. I, I it, It's really interesting, um, you know, and, and you read all kinds of studies, all kinds of books, and people can quote off, you know, a lot of things. 
uh, knowing that uh, that question, I kind of pulled up an interesting um, study, and uh, it's just interesting. Um, and so, definitely, church plants reach more new people. Mm-hmm. I'll give you. A, I'll give you before I go into stats, just a, a practical reason why I think that when you dive in and you're starting a church. You will take anybody, <laughs> anybody. Not only that, not only will you take anybody, but you need anybody. Mm-hmm. Like when you start, our church started, we had actually 11 people. We say 12, um, you know, because we shortly after about week three, we got our 12th person. Um, but we, so we say we started our church with 12 of us mm-hmm. and uh, four of us were on a team together that were the ministry team and, and eight others. Um, and, and so, but you're literally, you find yourself at a point where, Nothing's been handed to you. You just have to go after people, and mm-hmm. you have to go fishing. And mm-hmm. and and we're fishers of men. And as you go after relationships and just caring and loving, I think that's something that perpetuates uh, a, a church plant to be a little bit more outward focused than mm. a church can tend to be inward focused. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I've said, my whole church could quote it. I have said this. Uh, I, it probably comes out in about every other message that I preach um, that church growth is easy as long as we keep our eyes outside of our walls, mm-hmm. we'll grow. That's good. As soon as it's inside, we'll die. We'll mm-hmm. shrivel and we'll mm-hmm. die. And the the sad reality is, I think it's about eighty six percent of churches right now are in are stagnant or in decline. Mm-hmm. And you know what happens is you just kind of get in the motion of taking care of well, we do this because we did it last year and now this is a tradition. Yeah. And, and and it ends up being a lot of just how can I meet the needs of our members and our people mm. rather than an outward focus that says, we've got nobody, let's reach people. What's literally going to reach new people, new mm-hmm. faces, new believers and get people in? So there's a, there's a, a stat that I, I just pulled up that about 70%, um, LifeWay's done a lot of different research, uh, about 70% of the people that come into a, a church plant are unchurched. Wow. And so there's something about uh, a stigma maybe that ex- existing church may have with mm. some that 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 don't want to go to church or maybe had a bad experience and something fresh and new comes in and it's portable and it's meeting in a school or a, a, mm-hmm. you know wherever it is um, that maybe someone says, I'll give this a chance. Maybe it'll be a little different, you know, mm-hmm. than, than maybe what they uh, expected. But uh, in an interesting study that's been around for a number of years about Fuller Theological Seminary, um, I'm actually reading it so I don't embellish it. I uh, did a research study that found that churches uh, over 10 years of age, it takes about 85 people to lead one person to Christ. Now, I think Whoa. that's funny. It always sounds like how many people does it take to screw in a light bulb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and, and, and so what it's saying is not like 85 people surround one person. What mm-hmm. it means is if your church is over 10 years and your church has 85 people in it, that it'll probably lead one person to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's looking at just from that. A church plant, uh, if a church is less than three years old, it takes three people to lead one person. Whoa. So, and and that's a fuller theological seminary thing. So basically new churches are 16 times more effective at reaching new believers for Christ. And so my, my passion... Um, when, when I took a spiritual gifts test, when we started the church, my, my highest one was evangelism. Mm. And so the largest drive in my heart 
behind church planting is obviously just people saying yes to Jesus mm-hmm. and meeting him. And it's the main thing is the main thing is the main thing. And I think that what it does is in my heart, it changes the, the focus a little bit. You know, um, you know, Jesus gave us our mission. We don't really choose it. When we choose to follow him, we were given a mission. Mm-hmm. And that is to go and make disciples, mm-hmm. baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So we have the um, calling on our lives to make disciples mm-hmm. and to go after, you know, to, to go after new people, help them find Christ, seek and save the lost, mm-hmm. and, and to go after them. And so I think that what happens in a church plant, because you're trying to reach people, you're trying to reach new people, yeah. is there? there's an element of forced creativity to say, well, they're not coming through my door. How do I get them through? Yeah, them? yeah. Um, and it's a sink or swim type of mentality that I think, honestly, the the need forces you to be like, I got to reach people. I got to yeah. reach more people. And so because of that, I'm really passionate in the sense. And, and, and again, uh, you know, stats are stats, right? There's some better, there's some worse. And so I'm not saying that a church over 10 years can't reach people mm-hmm. for Christ. The reason I won't say that is because my church is turning 15 on Sunday mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I refuse to be the 85 to 1. Yeah. <laughs> I will yeah. not let that be something that is said of us mm-hmm. or is a part of us. Again, why I like to hang out with church planters, it keeps me young, keeps mm-hmm. me fresh, because I'm going to keep that edge of a of a plant that just started in the last three years. And uh, so anyways, it's just the, if, if you want to know the driving force behind all of us, it's that people need Jesus, people need, you know, the Lord, people need healing, people need yeah. deliverance, people yeah. need to be discipled. Mm-hmm. And the reason you're discipled is so that in turn you can reach more people for Jesus. Yes. Disciple more people. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I think that by nature our faith can become a little inward focused mm-hmm. about us. Mm-hmm. And I just think that when you're forced to think out of the box like that, that it's it's very little about me. It's actually much more about them. Mm-hmm. What do I have to do to reach them? Who do I have to reach? Not just to keep what's in my walls. But as my focus is outside of my walls, what do I need to do to, to, to reach out of those walls to um, go after people that are not yet in the chairs of my church? Yeah. And so for 15 years, I've just had the, the whole mentality that, that uh, my church is my community. It's just not all of them have come to a service yet, but <laughs> my church is my community. And so yeah. it's just, it just a, a, every drive is an outward focus for me personally. And again, that's why I get so fired up about church planning. Yeah. Well, I feel like that was a super important statistic for anybody listening to here, and especially leaders and pastors, because I had never... Like, my mind is still a little blown. I'm still like, I have a thousand questions, but I have more questions. And just to be reminded of that, of like, okay, if that is the reality of what we're facing, what can we be doing to not let that be the reality of our church? And what can we be doing to not only be creating these Christians that have, not creating sounds like a bad word, but like helping to just pour into these Christians that maybe have been churchgoers since they were five, but to be able to help them discover their spiritual gifts, to help them learn discipleship so that they can be mentoring those new Christians that are coming in and those new believers. And I think there's a lot of power in that when you're holding both. You're not just a church that's a lot of new believers, but you have people who've been walking in the faith for a while. There's just that community that's built and that encouragement and that mentorship. And that can be a really powerful thing to have both. Yeah. 
and you need that and 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 it gives life i think everybody yeah. every believer has to have uh one hand reaching up to somebody mm-hmm. pulling them and yeah. one hand reaching down and they're pulling somebody. that's good our our life is in the middle of we're continually reaching down and i think that just what happens on a on a spiritual journey for some is that they forget about the the reaching mm. and they just kind of kind of do their thing you know i've been in church my whole life i've you know if you're if you're raised in a in a in a church sometimes you've been to the altar and gotten read saved 150 times in your life you know what i mean (laughs) so it's just like but it gets into the just this kind of survival mode of faith and Mm -hmm. it's just like well then i'm going to find a church that fits for me and for my family Mm -hmm. um you know you you hear the church term uh, church shopping oh Oh, we're just church shopping yeah you know what i mean uh, and, and, and so it's easy to become, when you're church shopping, more about like, well, what's going to be best for me and for my kids mm-hmm. rather than, um, you know, maybe, a, and, and again, I get it's all semantics. It's, it's fine if you're church shopping. It's not meant to be a, a bash. But, mm-hmm. but again, it's a missional calling. Like, where is your body of believers that you're going to dive in with and mm-hmm. you're going to make disciples? Mm-hmm. And so I think that inadvertently we as humans are selfish. I'm selfish. I have to fight selfishness. A mm-hmm. lot of the New Testament was, um, uh, man, I'm all over the place, but I'll just tell you this. Like, no, yeah, the Holy good. Spirit came in the book of Acts, blew things up, and, and if you look at the next books of the Bible, almost all of them were written by the Apostle Paul, mm-hmm. cleaning up the mess mm-hmm. of selfishness within the New Testament church mm-hmm. all over. Stop doing this. Stop worshiping this. Stop going there. Stop doing this. A majority of it was cleaning up people problems yeah. after the Holy Spirit ignited everybody's hearts. And, yeah. and, and so, um, and, and I don't think that that's all too different from mankind today. It's super easy to just become about us. Mm-hmm. And it's super easy to just kind of let things slip in and, and, and to have that kind of a mindset. And so it's, it's literally just a continuing push forward to like, how do I reach more people? Like, you know, maybe maybe uh, a certain music style is not for you. Maybe you don't mm-hmm. like lights or smoke. Maybe you don't <laughs> like lights on. Maybe you don't like. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll just tell you this. Like, and I've, I've been uh, in full time ministry for twenty six years, and um, and so there are so many things that people don't see eye to eye on. Um, if if you're going to be in the people-pleasing business, if you try to please everybody, you'll please nobody. Mm-hmm. So your church is either going to be too hot or too cold, too loud or too quiet, too many hymns or too many new songs that I don't know the words of, mm-hmm. you know, too mm-hmm. many wordy songs. Too yeah. many, like it will always be you're either the pastor preaches too long or too short. Either he's too deep or he's too shallow. Like, And it's very easy um, to get critical eyes, all of us can do that, mm-hmm. and and I just believe, you know, in First Peter it says that love covers over a multitude of sins, and that's what the Lord chooses to do at us. We're we're seen through Christ's righteousness. We're seen like love covers over a multitude of our sins and imperfection, and we're seen as children of God. So I just I think that it's really easy. The longer you are in faith, the way easier it is to become a critic mm-hmm. and to become a person that's kind of you know, a little bit on that side. And I just think that selfishness and, and, and being judgmental, it slips in so easy. And I have to guard yeah. my heart. Above mm-hmm. all else, Proverbs says, guard mm-hmm. your heart mm-hmm. for out of it. You know, everything else flows. And I just think it's super easy to just get really inward focused and kind of about me, about like, I don't know, I just don't like that message or I don't like the way he preaches or mm-hmm. I like expository preaching. Well, I like topical preaching. Like, and, and, and so again, if, 
it, it's kind of like that's why there's so many churches and so many great churches. And if we realize we're not in competition, mm-hmm. but we're all on the same team. And as mm-hmm. long as a church is telling people about Jesus, I'll bless them. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to speak life to them and about them mm-hmm. rather than pull them apart because they do something. Because we get a little confused between uh, theology and preference. Mm. And it's just like, just find a place where you can plug in and grow. Yeah. And where you can just make disciples. Yeah. It's, it, it, it really is so simple that almost it's difficult. Yeah. You know, some of the most simple things <laughs> yes. are, are, you know, in life are, are really difficult. Mm-hmm. And so, again, all of these things are just like, they're, they're, they're like soapbox things that I just get kind of fired up about and excited about because uh, it's just so easy to just get really critical about a church mm-hmm. um, rather than being missional in your in your mindset that yeah. says, well, how can we do this? How can we reach more people? Um, so it's a, it's a dangerous spot that any of us, and, and there have been times I've fallen into that same thing. I have to fight to stay fresh. And that's mm-hmm. why, again, keeping my eyes outside of my walls mm-hmm. keeps my eyes on something because it's not about who's in the house. It's about who's not in the house yet. Who is an exemplary woman leader in your life? Nominate her for the Lund Leadership Award. Bridging the Gap believes all women are leaders, and it's our desire to honor women who lead with excellence in various areas, including in ministry, marketplace, community, and family. The Lund Leadership Award was created to recognize individuals who demonstrate exceptional leadership and empower other women to step into leadership as well. The former Bridging the Gap director of 25 years, Kara Lund, is a beautiful example of this, and we are honored to name the award after her and her legacy at Bridging the Gap. The award will be presented annually at the Sisterhood Leadership Retreat. To learn more about nomination criteria and how you can nominate an amazing woman leader in your life, go to mnbtg.org slash sisterhood slash Lund Leadership Award. The deadline for nominations is 11.59 p.m. on October 31st. Visit our website. Again, that's mnbtg.org slash sisterhood slash Lund Leadership Award and submit your nomination today. I feel like as somebody who has been going to church for basically my whole life, that's something I've always been really fascinated about is sitting there and and realizing, okay, there's some people here who are very new new believers. There are some people here who have been churchgoers their whole life. And then there's some people here that have been guests. Like this is their first time in a church. And something that always really fascinated me was how do pastors balance that? Like how do they balance what they're speaking on a Sunday morning to, I don't like to use the word accommodate, but to more reach, you know, all the people that are listening. And I've been that person where I'm like, yes, my friend finally came to church with me and I sit down, we're talking about tithing today. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, oh gosh, yeah. you know, it's, it's so hard. And I do not, I do not envy that because you're trying to lead your congregation deeper into theology and understanding and those practical, how do we actually, you know, live as Christians, but then also trying to touch the people that are just this is our first time hearing the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I just would love to hear your thoughts on all of that and your experience of what has that maybe looked like for you and also the church planters that you're seeing, like how have you coached them in that? Yeah. Well, I, I think y- you have to do things differently when, again, that stat I said earlier is like 70% of the people coming into a church plant are not church transplants. Hmm. Um, I, I joke. So um, I, I say the 
the people that scare me the most when they're walking into my church are the ones that come in with um, dressed up with Bibles and Bible covers <laughs> and and little smug pastor joke I always say and in those Bible covers are normally five different bulletins from five different churches mm. that they visit you know it's <laughs> make a joke. It a little, make you a little nervous it's, it's a joke whoever's <laughs> listening just laugh bring your Bible to church pastor Doug's not saying don't bring your Bible I'm just saying that's who normally scares me um, you know um, because again it's that it's that church shopping mentality well was the sermon meaty enough for me okay mm -hmm. so uh, again this is this is my thought on this um, if I have a if I have a hundred people in a room and 90 of them know the Lord and 10 don't those 10 are more important to me than the 90 mm -hmm. um, it, I think Jesus demonstrated that leave the 99 and go after the one um, I'm not preaching to impress somebody that's been a Christian for 80 years mm -hmm. 50 years um, I, when I preach, I, I preach and I target the lowest common denominator in the room, and that is the people that don't know Jesus and the people that are walking through the worst problem of their mm. life right now. Mm. Um, and and I think that I don't, I just again, personal opinion, I can't speak for any other mm -hmm. ministers but me. Um, there is so much depth out there, especially today with with books, internet, blogs, sermons, you can hear whatever whatever depth of teaching you want. And so I think the goal is, is to create people to be self-teachers, be self-feeders. Mm -hmm. And so I unashamedly will continue to preach to the person that a friend brought in to the door for the first time mm -hmm. over anyone that's been saved for 20 years. Because guess what? They're already going to heaven. But this person walking in is not. So you want to tell me who I get passionate about? Mm. Reaching that one that might say yes to Jesus at the end of this service. So I, I think some of it is, you know, a, a good old church rip or slam for years has been it, there's just not enough meat. Mm. Yeah, I, you I've heard that what, a lot. Yeah. You want to know that gets me fired. Mm. I'm like, if there's not enough meat in the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm. and this new sinner celebrating coming to Jesus, if that's not enough meat for you, I, I just think there hits a point where, uh, you know, if you are discipling people, you're hitting to a point where where you're not spoon feeding them anymore. Um, but you look at a you look at a, a family. You know, you said you got one that's mm -hmm. a little boy that's that's mm -hmm. two almost almost two. two. <laughs> and um, you know what I mean? It's 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 cool. You you feed a child in a high chair, and then at some point, you know. Well, you're at probably a messy stage of every <laughs> meal right now. But, you know, if you're still spoon feeding uh, your child at 26 years old when they come home to visit, there's something wrong with yeah. that. <laughs> and, and so I, I think that um, in, in all honesty, I feel like the longer you've, the, the, the more mature you are. In Ephesians 4 says you, that our job as teachers and preachers is to equip the saints for the work. Mm. And I've just found this, take it or leave it. Um, most of the people that have said a sermon or something's not deep enough, they're not serving. Mm. They're not faithfully making the mission happen. And so I don't, I don't have a lot of time for that. Now I believe, I mean, man, I've preached to my church for 15 years. Yeah. You, you got to preach deep enough, but, but you also have to preach 
shallow enough that anyone can step their foot into the pool and say yes to Jesus. So it's kind of a, a mix of both. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying you just preach a elementary school kids church salvation message every week. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna that that's not at all what I'm saying. But if I'm preaching on healing, if I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit, if I'm preaching on tithing, if I'm preaching on um, relationship, mm-hmm. if I'm preaching on grief and loss, like these things that hit everybody, um, they all have the component of Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer. And it starts by surrendering our heart to him. So my, my thought of theology in a sense is that it's like I always picture a pool and you have a shallow entry. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the, the, the word of God, the spirit of God, the deep cries out to deep part of this whole faith journey is so cool that I need to keep the shallow end of the pool open so people can dip their foot in. And my goal as a pastor is to get everyone just to take one step further mm-hmm. every time, mm-hmm. one step further until we're all in the deep. And the beauty is in the deep end of the pool, you will never get to the bottom. Mm. of all of the wisdom and understanding mm-hmm. of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very intentional, that who are we to understand God? Yeah. Scripture says we can't. Yeah. And so the wisest of wisest of the deepest of deepest, you'll never get to the bottom of the wealth and the riches in the in the Word of God. And so my whole thing is this, is like, you know, um, anyone, anyone that is not being fed has the ability to feed themselves super easy. Mm. Um, podcasts, listen to your favorite minister, listen to the deepest preacher on the planet, go deep into teaching and series. You can spend eight hours a day if you want, just going through and, and doing like college level theological courses for free, watching videos online. Yeah. No Christian should be able to say, I'm not being fed. Mm. It's more of a why don't you feed yourself? Mm. And then why don't you come and take that faith and activate it and come help me in the shallow end of the pool? I need lifeguards mm-hmm. that will help grab people that are literally dying, yeah, that are literally hurting, that are coming in because uh, something bad happened in their home or their finances or their relationship. That's my heart is that that piece of it so mm-hmm. in that balance we offer life groups that go as deep as you want to go mm-hmm. you know but but I, I i think that um people have used the term derogatorily towards uh well that church is seeker sensitive and mm-hmm. i always scratch my head and think is, is i know that's a rip because i can tell <laughs> in the tone of your voice but is that so bad mm-hmm. that we're seeker sensitive, trying to seek and save the lost, mm-hmm. and and so I, I, again, it just it, it kind of hits this point where I and and some of it might be a little bent towards the the church plant part of it when seventy percent of your congregation is newer and growing, and so I, listen, you have to have um, programs and groups and things to meet everybody's level of the journey, mm-hmm. but but again, when it comes to like. The main thing of the main thing of the main thing is that every weekend someone needs to say yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you know, like we're preaching to that person. We're preaching to that friend. And once you do that, you create a culture where people trust you. Mm-hmm. And and I have heard literally dozens of times over the 15 years, what I love is that I know if I bring my friend to church, they're not going to feel awkward mm-hmm. and they're going to get a chance to know Jesus. And they're mm-hmm. going to get a chance to hear truth. 
To mm-hmm. me, that's a greater compliment than having somebody sitting there that has a theological degree saying, well, that just didn't quite go deep enough for me. I'm like, well, then you go swim in the deep end of your pool by yourself. <laughs> Get your own little floaties. <laughs> when no. you're ready and when you when you when your cup is full enough, then what can you please come back to the shallow end with me because I need you. Yeah. And so for me, the pre- the perpetuality of the gospel is that every depth in your faith is ultimately to lead you back to the shallow end of the pool, hmm. to grab someone else and and speak life over them. Yeah. And and I think that um, there are so many times when that, that is not necessarily what comes out of that, or that's not the fruit that you see out of out of those that say it's just not enough meat for me. So, you know, yeah. I, again, that's not everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, anytime you hear anything, it's like, if the shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> you know, if that's for you, it's for you. But it's it's just a challenge that, my goodness, you can get whatever theological anything you want anywhere. You can read manuals and books and go mm-hmm. as deep as you want. There's nothing holding any believer back from getting all the meat that they want. Yeah. Wow. And we go back to the shallow end of the pool because that's where it should all lead you. should lead you full circle back to, and now I want to reach more people. That's mm-hmm. what the message of the gospel should activate in your hearts. I am compelled. I am called. It is a mandate. Jesus said, go make disciples. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it gets me a little bit. No, that was so good. I, <laughs> I'm literally sitting here just feeling so challenged. I feel like I've just never heard that concept, sadly, of going back into the shallow end. And I really like that you you highlighted those ways where it's like, okay, if you're involved in a church and you know Sunday morning is kind of like when we're all the whole team's coming together, but what can you be doing? to further yourself deeper. There are life groups, there are volunteers, you know, small groups, like plugging in and Bible studies and feeding yourself. Like you said, I love that analogy of, yes, that the pastor is there to, to teach and to do this, but I'm not going to hold your hand throughout your personal faith journey. Like it is yeah. your journey. Yep. And so what can you be doing to be going deeper in that? And churches, a lot of churches do that so well with, you know, we go to Substance Church and they do the first Wednesday every yep. month where they're like, okay, this is for people who it's like, we're diving deeper into some of the theology and some of those things. And so having I some of the... First Wednesday. I have... I get to as many as I can. I have not been yet because it's right at my kid's bedtime. And yeah. So, But I am craving to go because I just think that's a, such a great idea to to have that space where it's like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to dive deeper, even though our Sundays are going to be more broad. And I don't know, I just am sitting here feeling so challenged in that. And <laughs> I, I absolutely love that, that concept and, and thinking of it. But is there any other, you know, you mentioned a few, but is there any other um, just strategies or encouragement that you have for leaders who might be really struggling with this and how how can I balance more? You gave so many, but if there's anything else that you're like, oh, I forgot to mention this piece is a good strategy to do or something. I think that for anybody struggling with discouragement or in their faith, the greatest remedy, the greatest uh, the, the greatest healing block is just go tell someone about Jesus. Just mm-hmm. go back and find the joy of your salvation. And sometimes you find that joy by leading someone else into that joy. Mm-hmm. When, you know, um, if, if, if you want to spark life into your church, um, then you do that 
by helping more people find Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's messy. So let me go back to the analogy of kids, right? I mean, you know, someone would say uh, if they walked into a church and had uh, a nursery and toddler school that was just full, they'd be like, well, that's a really healthy young church. Right? Mm. That's what they, that's what they, and that would be like a compliment. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, that's really great. Guess what happens a lot in healthy young churches? A lot of diapers, a lot of cleanup, <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that nobody sitting in the service wants to deal with. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, it's and and so uh, what I'm saying is this: like new converts, new believers are messy. Yeah, it's messy, and and I just don't think there's any ministry or church that's not going to be messy. And and I've chosen that I have two kinds of problems. There's a whole lot more problems, but I'm just generalizing. I have a couple kinds of problems that I could, and fires that I could put out. One is new believers, new convert problems. And most of them are sin problems. Wow, they came in with this, this, this. They don't even know it's wrong. They're living mm-hmm. with this person. They're doing that. They're watching that. They, they've never heard in their life that that's wrong. Yeah. You know, those are sin problems. And then there's religious problems. Um, if you look at when Jesus got the most ticked off, mm-hmm. it wasn't at the sinners. Mm-mm. You don't see Jesus chewing out the sinners. He went after with a vengeance. He went after church people. That's a good point. He went after the religious yeah. and said, you're missing the whole point. So here's here's something that has spoken life to me personally is I've just, I've tried my best. I, like, you, you know, you can't, I mean, you can pick your battles a little bit. Stuff happens. But um, I've, I've, I've really tried my best to, I would rather deal with sin problems. There's, there's, there's no place that's not going to have problems, but I'd rather deal with sin problems all day over church problems. And so if you want to talk church politic problems, I just don't have much time to give you an ear or listen to you or pacify you or tell you like, I'm just like, because while we're talking about this, there are people with really major yeah. spiritual struggles yeah. that that even have spiritual blindness and are lost. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I think there's an urgency to the calling uh, when you keep it about people and about new people. And, and I've just found that sometimes it activates and refreshes people's faith when they work with a new believer that remembers like, wow, you know what, man, I used to do that too. Mm-hmm. And I think that we get too far away from that in our life and we forget the, I used to be that way too. Mm-hmm. But somebody was patient with me. Someone was loving with me. Mm-hmm. Well, why do they come into church and wear a skirt that high? Why mm-hmm. do they wear makeup like that? Why do they have piercings on there? Why do they have this and that? You know what I mean? Like, And, and we forget the fact of like, oh man, you know, like that, that was me or that was my sister or that was my wife, you know, like, whatever it is. And so thank God for churches and people through the year that have just shown grace and loved people. Yeah. You know, I, 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 another soapbox I get on is it says, speak the truth with love. And I've just seen too many that speak the truth. And they're so proud that I spoke the truth. Like I told them the way it was. I mm. pulled them aside and said, you can't do that. You can't live like that. With no relational equity, with no love behind it, yeah. um, almost like a, a, a stern rebuke yeah and and I just think like if we miss you know first um, uh, Corinthians 13 if I speak with the tongues of angels of men and of angels but have not love if I have faith that can move mountains it goes through this whole list of unbelievable supernatural things but have not love I'm like a resounding gong and a clanging symbol mm-hmm. that's right in between 
the, the, the two chapters about spiritual gifts and about the Holy Spirit operating and working in, in mm. churches. Like, so if, if we don't, if, if we don't have love, we're missing the, the main ingredient. And I just think it's super easy. Um, I have to watch my heart because it's super easy to become a crusty Christian and just kind of dry up a little bit mm-hmm. and just kind of, you know, just kind of, um, and, and there are times when our hearts just need to be saturated and softened again. And I have found that when I am praying or talking with someone at an altar that is in tears, surrendering a part of their heart or life mm-hmm. to Jesus, or I'm, or I'm hearing a testimony of someone that did that in one of our services, there's not much more that keeps my heart soft than to, so I would encourage anyone listening, if you're a pastor and you're tired, um, you're probably tired in, in all honesty, most pastors, I believe, are tired because they're dealing with church problems. Mm, yeah. And that's exhausting. Yeah. Um, give me sin problems all day. Mm. And a couple, like, <laughs> doing things or whatever. Like, I, I just, like, then let me add them. Like, guys, I want to introduce you to Jesus. And, and I, I want to walk you through, like, this this process of healing and of realizing, you know. And, and so... and. So that's just a practical thing. If you're, if you're listening and you're sick of dealing with church people, go find a new person that needs Jesus mm-hmm. and just tell them, start loving on them, start loving on them. And, and, and as you point them towards Jesus, it is so life-giving. Yeah. And I believe that then it starts a, a, a positive cycle and it'll shake things up. I'll tell you. Sin problems will shake things up, you know, because we don't want to lose our standard of holiness or anything like that. I'm, not, I'm raised in the church, man. My dad's a pastor. Every one of my uh, every one of my siblings are pastors. Like, I mean, this is my whole life, mm-hmm. so I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it, you know. Um, so again, none of it is going this extreme of just well, just let anything happen. But is that it's a balance of like, man, sin is messy, and if you want a full nursery, expect to take out some full garbages, mm-hmm. full diapers. Mm-hmm. If you want a church that's literally filled with hurting people, you, we're not a country club, we're an ER. Mm-hmm. And an ER has some blood that needs to be cleaned up and people come in bleeding out and, and which have just experienced one of the worst things of their life, worst experiences. That's the type of people I wanna continue to reach. And when I do that, uh, it it keeps me fresh inside because you see the the testimony you see the deliverance you see the hope mm-hmm. and, um so that's that's what i'd encourage you if you if you're struggling just go back and find your first love again and mm-hmm. nothing reminds you of what it was like when you first said yes to jesus yeah then when you're talking to a friend and you're seeing them say yes to mm-hmm. jesus it's it's just life-giving oh. That's so good. I'm not even a pastor, and I'm like, yes, I'm encouraged. (laughs) No, that was also good. And just perfect reminders and challenges of some of the things that are hard to hear as Christians. And I'm sure a lot of people, even me, I'm sitting here right now like, man, I feel bad for complaining about that or this. Or, you know, where is my where is my true heart and my true focus and and just being then that that great commission and that just looking for people and just to reach the hurt and the lost so thank you so much for just yeah. sharing all of this wisdom and, well, and everything I don't, speak, I don't speak at it as an expert or a high horse i speak Mm-mm. at it as it's a continual fight 
Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. of a sponge, and they dry out naturally. You you do dishes, and it's mm-hmm. soft, and then you leave it out overnight, and you come back the next day. It's hard as a rock. Yeah. And um, and so I'm I'm not speaking from one that has it all figured out. I'm speaking from one that says, I know that fight to stay fresh and to stay soft and moldable. And that whole prayer about Lord, just uh, you're the potter, I'm the clay, mold me and make yeah. me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And, and just use me however you want to use me. And I'll tell you that if you pray that dangerous prayer, God, use me however you want to use me. You know, He's going to use you. <laughs> to make an impact on mm-hmm. somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. He'll use you. You he'll, ask him. He'll use you if you ask him. And it's, it's very life-giving. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much again for joining me and just all the work that you're doing. I mean, it's needed. And um, I'm just thankful that you had said yes and you have such a great church and community and are able to pour into all these pastors. So thank you. Thank you. It's my privilege to be here. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bridging the Gap podcast. We were honored to hear from Pastor Doug Vogley on ways to reach seasoned and new believers. Learn more about Pastor Doug and The Waters Church at thewaterschurch.net. And you can also hear sermons by Pastor Doug by searching The Waters Church Sartell on YouTube. You can also learn more about Bridging the Gap at mnbtg.org by downloading the Bridging the Gap app through your app store or by following at mnbtg on social media. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to being with you next time on the Bridging the Gap podcast.